0: Tonight's chat is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com/slash FFC. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, this is a great alternative for keeping up with the monthly Focus Fire Book Club. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 111 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on December 8th, 2017, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for joining us for an evening back in the tower. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope... You're doing well. Looking forward to tonight's chat.
1: Are we going to make hope puns all night? <laughs> 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 I I like. Stop. I, mean, I hope it's not going to be a big problem for you, dear. <laughs> seriously.
0: Someone's we in chat. Totally. Someone's in chat. Wait, there's a show tonight? We hope so.
1: <laughs> oh, we hope oh. so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh huh. No. And there they go. There goes chat. <laughs>
1: Yes! All the hope. I hope for this. I hope for that. I hope for all the things. I hope this
2: ends quickly.
1: You know, I think this is probably with, obviously, the DLC dropping this week. Yes, we're going to go over Osara stuff next week. But I think that this hope topic for this week is very topical. Like, it's very apt to what's going on mm-hmm. in the community, so... I'm excited to jump into it and kind of dig into some of the more philosophy. Because, you know, that's always fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and we also have with us the grizzly bearded lore master himself, the hater of puns, Beard Grizzly. Mm-hmm. Beard, how are you doing tonight?
2: Uh, well, I can attest much better than the last week, uh, which I think all of you can attest to at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we're glad. The- we're glad. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say. I, <laughs> apparently, I worried some people, and I got that bad, and didn't realize it. Uh, anyway, the new lore tabs have infused me with a new sense of hope.
0: Yay! So where's my, where's they my have applause? Also, yeah, really.
1: Gift.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've they've also infused me with a sense of uh, something I haven't had with Destiny for several months, which is. Something new to talk about, uh, something new to explore and think on. Uh, and I think that anybody that kind of puts the, this portion of, of what Bungie has presented for us uh, down, they're not looking at it at a, a larger level, I think. Uh, fantastic stuff that is now being produced through these lore tabs. Uh, and I am really thankful, really thankful uh, to see that they are taking some extra time with it. The only thing now that they need to do is keep this uh, level up. Uh, they need to keep up the wonder. They need to keep up the ideas. They need to keep up the little storytelling. And I I honestly think that we are in for a hopeful 2018.
0: Yeah! Nice, nice. Well, I'm looking forward to diving into the discussion. I know these the, both of these guys are. Um, so let's run through our standard intro notes real quick and then get right to it our topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at the power of hope before we jump into that however i do have a few housekeeping notes to run through in our last chat we discussed hunters if you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up please be sure to check out the new focusfirechat.com for archives articles and links to the other aspects of focus fire chat if you don't mind please give us some feedback on itunes to let us know how we're doing as well as helping us continue to grow As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found either on our show notes or on our website. Podcasts focused on Destiny include Guardian Radio, the first and longest running Destiny podcast on the net. Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings. Ghost and Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny One. And the network's newest edition, The Guardian Life, which is a podcast focused on the casual Guardians perspective and highlighting all Guardians, large and small. We also have a non-Destiny focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast discussing a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on Osiris, so be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know what topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found either on Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. I went ahead and asked Green to put together a high-level summary of tonight's topic, and this is what she had to say.
1: Real talk, guys. Let me first preface this by saying that this has been the hardest summary I've written to date. Not because hope and destiny is a difficult thing to pinpoint, but because hope in and of itself is somewhat difficult to impress on another. Funny thing about hope, you can't force someone to have it, yet you can inspire others to it. A simple definition of hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. This does not mean that you are blind to the atrocities and inequalities that surround you. It isn't a self-enacting thing that you can assume will eventually happen regardless of what you do. Having hope is seeing that lighthouse through the darkness and against all odds, setting your bearing on it. The power of hope is that its inherent weakness... Leads to its ultimate strength.
0: Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the power of hope, however, let's look at this week's lost lore. All right, so for this week's Lost Lore, I actually am going to take an idea that Green sent me, and yes, Green, I was paying attention, um, and from the new lore tabs, I kind of want to see what are your guys's, not necessarily going into full detail, but what are you guys looking forward to learning more about, I guess, um, and what do you th- – what what is, I guess what are you hoping to learn more about? I, I honestly did not intend for that, but I'll take it.
2: Uh, uh I, I got dibs. Okay, go, for, go it. for it. I think everybody can guess what I'm going to actually <laughs> talk about. <laughs> what? No, uh, we have no idea. Would it be, a, say, would it be a ghost like, show? A ghost show about a certain... Maybe, maybe a certain thing about a certain somebody with the person, <laughs> with the rags and with the... the
1: and, and the... F-
2: and and <laughs> the flavor the, 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 the pasting and the thing. Oh yes. oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's very good. So, Ephrodite. All you naysayers, all you jerks that were out there decided, oh, no, she died in the Cabal attack. The next time, the next time if you feel like assuming I will actually refer you to this other thing called the star map shell, which actually goes over exactly how lore people should be acting or tend to act. I guess is more of the, the way I should have put that effectively. If there ain't evidence for it, it didn't happen. Yeah. So- it's it's basic action hero
0: stuff, guys. If you don't see a body really if you don't oh, see no. a body, they're not dead. <laughs>
2: This, and this, even if this is why Marisov story. is alive, okay? Okay.
0: Good good talk, guys. I just uh, love the fact that I messaged you and you're like, you're literally like the 50th person to send this to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just covering had, my bases, okay, beard? And no, like I, I absolutely appreciated every single person that sent me something. Like 100% appreciated it because I was like, I've made my stance known that I uh, effectively have have such an important connection with this character and everybody knows that. Uh, I, I legitimately had about 20 to 30 Twitter messages that slapped me in the face, tweeted at me, and said, look, look, it's Efrideen! I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, I know! Like, I just saw 10 other tweets about this. This is great! Like, this is amazing! <laughs> and then all throughout the rest of the day, that's all I got. And I was like, <laughs> guys, this is fantastic! But I gotta write the other stuff now, too. Anyway, that that's my little spiel on that. Uh, what I'm not, what I'm kind of confused about though. I'm not sure what weapon she was necessarily using. They say about the white rabbit and that immediately makes me think of the jade rabbit because realistically the rabbit on the side of it was actually a, a, a white rabbit. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Uh, but the, the weapon is the question piece. The thing that isn't in question is that Efferdite is for whatever reason. And I called this not a pacifist anymore because she wanted to come back and try to support her city. And if that wasn't necessarily the reason, then maybe something else ended up happening. She also communicates with somebody else, which, yes, again, we're going to have this communication of who's on the other end of the radio. We don't really know. (laughs) But she's going back home. Uh, And I can only assume that when all is said and done, that means she's going back home to her um, to the other pacifist colony. Yeah. Which I like.
1: Here's a. okay, our pacifist just completely opposed to fighting or will they still defend themselves it
2: depends. that's always it depends that's always been the debate yep mm-hmm.
1: so i could see her defending herself here at the tower like if she was here for an iron banner
2: but that wasn't
1: caught.
2: that wasn't the case though with this one like they right. she they actually hunting. set it up she she actually went into the city which i love about this this scene that they paint mm-hmm. uh this whole setup is that she actually walks into uh the city in in a in refugees clothes. Uh and she makes it seem like she's just there as as a as a refugee, that's it. Uh she finds a roost, she stays there, she kills two hundred and twelve cabal with a hundred yeah, and ninety-nine kind bullets. Of, that that surpasses, that oh.
0: surpasses the, the the I'm defending myself marker.
2: Yes. And that's that's where she was uh, she was she was definitely like Blue said she was hunting. She yeah. wanted She wanted some blood. Uh, and it was kind of funny because I was on um, another, only, last side that I'll be on, but uh, I was on Gamut Trap Stream and I told him after I read that card, like fully, finally, because I honestly just haven't had the chance to, uh, I, I read the li- like last couple lines and I was like, effort eat out. And I was like, oh yeah! Okay, I definitely gotta read this! Anyway, uh, <laughs> I told him, I was like, so now you need to uh, you need to paint a or or draw whatever for for me for my channel for my video for, uh, to to have an image of Effordy like covered in blood and he was like well I don't like the way that this is sound and I'm like oh no 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 covered in Cabal tar blood,
1: not her blood other blood.
2: yes he was like oh I like that quite a bit better I was like Effordi yes, yes, exactly. dropped
0: the mic oh, Effordy out yeah um real quick Green to go back to your question uh like passive it ranges but generally speaking a pacifist usually will not um Mm -hmm. defend themselves because ultimately what they view what their core belief is is that any war or any violence at all is unjustifiable now that is not to say that like that there are degrees of pacifists um obviously just like with any human you know there's there's going to be certain things that set things set people off but that's where you get like the scenes of like the tenement square you know and all the those instances those were pacifist resistance passive resistance and stuff like that so Like a full and I I don't want to say a true pacifist because that's that's kind of insulting to any anyone who's not who's not, you know, I'm not saying that you need to go throw yourself in front of a tank. It's
1: like in levels like um, vegans and vegetarians and stuff like that. There's variants. Yeah. In it.
0: So, yeah, 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 yes. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, my turn. So, I want to know more about this Ishtar collective group that came back really strong in this DLC. Cough the Sundarish Experiment 13R card where it talks about the Vex Radioloria. Mm
0: hmm. They aren't mm-hmm. the only ones that talked about the Vex Radioloria.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> spin foil. I got my first spin foil and it's actually a pretty decent one, I think.
0: Yeah, actually if it's the one that you just dropped on us earlier, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I I like it. I like it a lot. Mhm. <clears throat> <clears throat> um, Blue um, Tag. Yeah, uh I'm honestly really excited to dig into the Lost Prophecies. Um, I really hope that we get a little bit more on them. I know that it and I understand that you know from a storytelling perspective, prophecies are really difficult. Which actually I, I actually appreciate oh, yeah. because um, there is actually a verse in the prophecies. Uh, I think it's number eight that Osiris is talking about the difficulties of telling prophecies. Like mm-hmm. he actually kind of explains why they're vague and why they're short. Because if you <clears throat> basically if you give too much information you you risk you run the risk of be creating a self-fulfilling prophecy but then if you're right. too vague you also run the risk of not warning people enough and so there's like this fine line and i, I love that osiris is kind of osiris He's has always kind of well osiris has always kind of tiptoed the the what i call the deadpool line which is where mm-hmm. you, they're kind of breaking the fourth wall because even in the very original osiris card there's a there's a comment about um guardians who will do anything for for the promise of uncertain rewards (laughs) rng um and like and i like i read that and i was like oh my god he is making fun of the player base like he is making fun of mmorpg players basically is because that's what he's saying is that all of us are just mindless automatons who are being who are chasing this supposed carrot on a stick um and so, like he's always kind of had some of that d- touching, and so like seeing that again in the Lost Prophecies, uh, I, I'm really excited to see where they go with it. But yeah, and I, I know we'll probably we'll probably talk about those quite a bit uh, next week. I'm hoping at least and they they probably will have we'll probably have to do our own episode on those as well. That and mm-hmm. the, cult, the cult of the aeons, which just oh
2: my god. Uh, I have been, so I've many spent 30 I've... minutes last night writing out all, all right. Yeah. Of getting, getting all those just to make sure I had it in order and I have properly so expanded. I was like, Oh much, my God. So many mixed feelings about that. But, but yeah, I, I, so. I, I kind of quickly kind of denote them towards like the, the shadows of your, the Vex.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got that feeling too. Like they are. Yeah. Like they're the, they're the, there's like, there's Osiris, and then there's the mm-hmm. Disciples, which kind of, like, you get the feeling, especially with this DLC, he kind of just rolls his eyes at, like, whatever, like, right. just leave me alone. But then there's, like, mm-hmm. this cult of Aeons, who are, I, I kind of was getting the same feeling, or who are, like, they make the Disciples look lazy. They are, like, yeah. the
2: fanatics of the fanatics. And so say I, I was,
0: like...
2: I do like the armor, though. To oh yes no the the armor looks i want a full set of that armor. i know frankly. i know
0: it uh it, like i will be honest it does remind me quite a bit of warframe
2: yep i was gonna say i i had that feeling which side note like every time segura talks i think of uh i think of lotus i think that's her, <laughs> her name <laughs> yeah, um, yeah yeah the the, the, <laughs> the voice i i always forget what her name is but i think it is lotus anyway yeah um the the biggest thing, though, that uh, I've been seeing creep up about it, too, and again, not to get on a big tangent, but Kabir, and I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, all right, so, <clears throat> that being said, let's jump into, just fair warning, uh, This this week is, we are going to be talking about general themes, so we don't really have any particular, like, This lore entry says this because hope is kind of one of those things that, you know, Green kind of mentioned in their summary is it's very prevalent in the Destiny universe. But at the same time, it's not like Mm. quotable. Like there's not there's not something that's like, oh, this is this explains this concept. Um,
1: Granted, there are 177 entries on Ishtar Collective that are related to the word hope. If you search for it, the majority of them are probably from Zavala. (laughs) Oh <laughs> uh, no, actually, no, actually, actually I don't from... think I don't
0: think they are I think but he no. probably does have he probably does have a large
2: stake in it books
0: of I mean, sorrow and oh that's right that's because
2: yeah because yeah, because the hope eater yeah mm. and stuff like that I was gonna say 60% of them are from Zavala 10% of them are from Sun Tzu and the rest are from books of
1: sorrow <laughs> 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 oh okay so, how do we want to start this one then blue yeah. um,
0: um, I'm gonna try really hard not to dive too far into client centered therapy because <coughs> it's i'll be honest like this is something that is pretty near and dear to me both on a personal level and on a um, academic level. Uh, mm-hmm. I spent a large amount of my secondary education actually studying this um, in a different different way uh, than most people would assume. I actually did – my degree was in psychology, but it was a hermeneutic phenomenological bend to it. We actually followed what was called the Duquesne School of Thought, um, which is one of two of the schools of thought in phenomenological psychology. And, um, I actually did an emphasis on, um, thanatology, which is the study of death and dying. And the thing about the thing about that particular bend of psychological or sociological thought is that hope is hope is really big in psychology and it's, it's something that a psychiatrist might not necessarily agree with me on this one. Most psychologists will, uh, because, and let me back up there a little bit as well, the reason why is ultimately uh politics uh because um to put it bluntly, insurance companies don't pay for you to sit down and talk to people um they pay for the there's a very American mentality in in an application with insurance companies that they basically. Will, will inf- They will pay for it, but not to the degree that they will pay for someone to just give you medicine and, you know, quote, air quotes here, fix you, um, which as a phenomenological psychologist, that's not fixing the problem. That's just putting a Band-Aid on it. Um, but to tie it back into hope, hope is basically hope is the thing that pulls everyone through life. Uh, it is the impetus to actually get up in the morning and do something, regardless of what that is. And and we'll get into this a little bit further or a little bit later. But the big thing that you need to remember about hope is hope is not optimism. So when someone says that they're hopeful for an outcome or they are hoping for something to happen, that does not mean that they are optimistically ignoring reality. Actually. Hope really is I I really would strongly segregate the two definitions of that Um, because hope is hope is often pretty much the only thing that stands between us and and what's what's commonly called the abyss, the the just giving up Um, basically as long as someone has hope uh you can you can pretty much recover from anything and this is this is a very actually common understanding in most medical fields many doctors will say that as long as a, as long as their patients have hope there's a very good chance of recovery um you see this in a lot of uh long-term care fields they they try very hard to keep people hopeful keep people uh, they they give them something to live for uh you see this in writings from for example wiesel from uh, the Holocaust uh he was very he 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 is a very good example of um of it not being a necessarily happy thing there were there were members of the Holocaust who survived on nothing more than the desire for revenge um and they they to some some situations actually got it uh and but that it was that it was that hope for revenge that actually gave them a reason to survive the atrocities that were that was being put upon them um You see this a lot in in medical situations where a patient will miraculously you know again air quotes miraculously heal themselves uh through the power of hope now and i'm not saying that you know this is this is by no means a universal cure uh Mm -hmm. at all um there there are things that are abstractly outside of the ability of the mind to overcome but one thing that is certain for most medical practitioners and psychologists and anyone who's survived trauma is that the instant that you give up hope it's done like if you can't, if you can't get hope, if you like for a doctor, if they can't have their patient retain hope and get that hope back, it's lost. Like there, there is nothing there. Um, even if the body survives, really, the mind is the mind is dead. Um, well, you
1: have so many cases of like a cancer patient or right. a, a well aged patient who waits until a certain point, a certain trigger, like seeing grandchildren. And once they see him for the last time, they finally let go.
0: Right, right. And and uh, actually, Hiko is, is actually bringing up something I was going to get to here, too. Uh, he brings up Frankel, uh, who is a who is an amazing writer. Um, but he's saying that seeing hope truly leave someone has an effect on even the most hopeful. So it, it, it's also got a trigger effect. And we talked about this, actually, with uh, Hellblade earlier this week. So if you guys haven't listened mm-hmm. to that, definitely go listen to that, that podcast, because we got into some of the darker aspects of mental health. Um, but... Frankel also touches on the, the having meaning or having a purpose and the, the the power that such a, such a thing gives an individual. Um, but yeah, so like hope. So, and, and I know this is kind of weirdly not related to destiny, but at the same time it is because the thing is, is that at the end of the day, when you look out in destiny two, um, once you've completed the campaign, and even during the campaign, it's very important to remember that our guardian, really honestly, is one of the few guardians who still has hope, um, and that's kind of what leads us to the shard—is you know the hope for the return of the light. Um, and again, like I was saying, you know, hope is not this optimistic little like I'm going to ignore. Or, you know, it's not the half glass full mentality at all. It's the fact that you refuse to. You refuse to lie down. Um,
2: yeah, it's very similar to, like, the idea for Ikora with the test. Right. You know, she, she really sits and thinks that if she's the failed, Traveler was giving her a test, that she failed it. And mm-hmm. she continues to exemplify this in a lot of different ways uh, to touch base on one of the – she does it in her own right, too. Like, the, to touch base on one of the new lore tabs that's out there she legitimately sits and rewrites her oh, the uh, circles her her circles mm-hmm. uh, and how to use yeah. them books mm-hmm. she had 12 everything volumes everything changes everything yep. changes she, she had 12 <laughs> volumes of them and apparently over the last few months she has sat and rewrote them or at least has revised some of them because she feels that everything has switched for her and mm-hmm. just just that alone that mentality like you you force a warlock to rethink what it is that she held so passionately, what she, what she felt was the only way to do something, and now all of a sudden she can embrace it in a different way because she found that, that hope. She found that different means and a different, a different set of rules, a different set of laws that existed that she didn't know about before. And for a warlock to express that opinion, to, for a warlock to express that feeling… Now again this is kinda of sappy in a in a very big lore sense, but it's it's perfect for that sense that you're telling something of a a warlock to rethink what it is that they know. And Blue, I think you had something from Yeah, I was just to gonna
0: interrupt. say Kate, no no no, I was just gonna say Cade really appreciated the rewrite of the books. <laughs> um <laughs>
2: Oh, it was the best part. That. It was like the ultimate punchline, I swear uh, to God.
0: Of the, of the few pages I read, it seemed pretty good.
2: Mm-hmm. The paper's really good. paper's really nice. Really smooth <laughs> and soft. Oh, my God. High
1: quality stuff. High quality. Really high oh. quality. Oh,
0: oh my man. goodness. The paper quality. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, uh, to you to go back. make the best paper. Yeah. To to go back, um, the 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 impact of hope in Destiny is is actually for me one of the major major draws of the game. Um, is it's a dystopian game set, or it's a game it's a science fantasy shooter that is set in a dystopian future. But it has something that a lot of these first person shooters don't have, and that is a very strong vein of hope that runs through the game. There is there is a very very strong view that things are going to get better if you do this and that. Um and it's it's not it's not like it's not blind optimism. There's there's not this sense of like, oh, everything's going to get better if we just wait. No, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to go through trials and tribulations and it's not going to be an easy walk. But if you can stick to the path and if you can stay, you know, stay the journey, then at the end of it, and we see this, we see this at the end of the campaign in D2, your, your savior awakens, you know, something, it does get better to a degree, um, now what that or Osiris all Cyrus might
2: say. It, yeah. does
0: it, it? Yeah. I was just about to say now does, that, that also kind of brings in another part of hope is that just because it gets better, doesn't mean it's over like.
1: Better you know, for whom too. I mean, w- it's, right. Right. And the, and the, and that's
0: older. Exactly. Because that's another thing, because th- what I really appreciate that they did in destiny is they didn't just give the guardians hope. If you read any of the lore ta- or lore entries on Callus, for example, all of the Shadows of Callus have hope. They're they that's the re- that's the major reason that the majority of them are actually fighting for Callus is hmm. hope, hope for their their people's safety, hope for their people's security, you know, they're doing this because of the hope that, you know, if they if they succeed in these missions, Callus will reward their families or their their people with some you know some promised reward there's all these things that he has promised and that they are hopeful for and that hope is what gets them to go out and do these atrocious things and assassinate all these people you know do these these terrible deeds that's hope and like i said hope is not hope is not a moral thing like it's not you can't apply morality to hope hope is merely the 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 effect that draws you forward. It's, it's a, it's a weird thing because it's the effect that creates the cause that creates the, it's a never ending circle because as you hope you can do more stuff. And then as you do more stuff, you can get more hope. Like it's, it's a very odd psychologically thing to explain.
1: Well, it's a, it's a cyclical, it feeds upon itself, right?
0: Yes. Well, I guess my point is like, it's a chicken and the egg, Situation, because you're not really right. You, it's not you can't really say, oh, yeah, well, it's because of hope that I got up and did this. But you did something else which led you to understand. Like, it's, it's a very first mover argument. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's actually in psychology real quick, there's a really, really big break in the the academic thought and around 1991 uh there was an individual named charles snyder and a, a number of colleagues of his but they published a number of articles on something called the hope theory and this was really you see this in a lot of what's what's kind of colloquially called positive psychology nowadays um and some of its some of its pops pop culture hogwash but not all of it there's there is a uh, at the root of it there is a very strong understanding that it's mind over matter to for for a large percentage of things and so they actually have done a numerous numerous studies of um the impact of being hopeful like the impact of being optimistic like there there's there are studies that have put you know quantitative logic And measured the output of people who are subjectively or abstractly more, quote here, optimistic or hopeful about their outcome than the people who are not. And, you know, the studies, there's, like I said, there's numerous studies on it. And some of them are really actually quite fascinating um and I can definitely get you some of those if anyone who's interested in that just message me and I'll I'll be sure to get you those um but that's that's again that's called the hope theory that was from about 91 um within destiny though we we have um we have a couple stories that really really kind of stand out for examples of the power of hope uh the the first one which is Rezal Azir uh it, which I love this story because it doesn't just show the power of hope. It also shows what happens when that hope is lost. Because um, it's you know, it's the very, very standard story of a hero who, who lives long enough to become a villain, to quote another hero. Um and so you see the rise of, the, of that of that character and the solidification of the risen into the guardians because they hoped for something more, you know they they wanted to stand for something more. They wanted to protect the city. They put an end to the faction wars. They they kind of started standing up for the people who couldn't defend themselves. Um, and this was all done in hope. And it's even described. John Goff does a really good job about saying, you know, to Rezel hope was currency, that it was what, what ensured the presence of tomorrow, which is, it, that's exactly what it does. It it gives people a reason to be, to still be there. Beard, I know you wanted to weigh in on that one.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say, especially when you, uh, when you look at some of the newer stuff, talking about the Fire Victorious as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they legitimately had a personification for it within the middle of the city, just about. They had... The firebreak uh, plaza that basically showcased the fire of the city and the fire of the firebreak order, and it was one of those things that they wanted to ensure has stayed alive throughout the Cabal attack. So incredibly important for how everything is basically put together with the city, and beyond that, like Blue just reminded me here too. Yes, the uh, the the largest thing about the Fire Victorious is waning. Mm-hmm. Ning is the one that had actually planted it and was basically if not the head of the firebreak order then one of the most important members of it. And that is one of the the biggest thing that her hope, her views, her her spirit carries on throughout any piece of the city even after she is good and gone. We still look to that flame as a part of hope for the city.
0: And the importance of that particular piece of story is uh, Callisto having saved mm-hmm. it during the attack because the fire breaks the firebreak order thought that it was lost, and then yeah. when they found out that that was um, Green, you were just talking you were talking about that before the show. I think the ghost shell. I can't remember which ghost shell it is that is talking about it, but basically,
2: it's. It's called the Fire Victorious. Fire actually. Victorious. Okay. Uh, they they actually just named it exactly off of it, but they they legit ripped embers from the mm-hmm. original Fire Victorious and stuffed them into their ghost shells and said, "We will carry waning's flame uh, into every battlefield and right. every which corner was of the city. which was
0: amazing. I love that because they were originally uh, if you if you read the entry, um, originally they were going to reinstate the plaza. They were gonna, yes. you know, rebuild it, and I think it was Callisto. Actually, was like, no, 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 no. Callisto's we're put, like, we don't need to do that anymore. We're putting it in our ghosts. Like, we are not yep. going to have a central. They're doing the dead orbit strategy. Um, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna decentralize the the Fire Victor. And it, it's really often. It's also as as you know a very common sign with most faiths and most you know religious orders. You carry a piece of your faith with you. Well, the fire breaks are actually carrying a piece of the Fire Victorious in their ghost so they are they are literally carrying this onto the battlefield using this as as a, a source of hope to remind them of what they're fighting for um, another another one is uh, Zavala <laughs> we oh, yeah. always, I always make oh, fun yeah. of Zavala because <laughs> <laughs> he loves talking about the dream of the city uh, oh. and it, I mean and it, it's and you see the cost of that dream to Zavala at the beginning of D2 Right. When he, when he is no longer when he, well, when he has his light removed, his existential crisis of like, are we even guardians without the light? Like, you know, that, that entire thing is stemming from his understanding of maintaining the dream of the city, holding the walls, protecting the civilians who, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit too, because Hawthorne has a very different view of Zavala's dream of the city. Um, which, again, will tie into the fact that hope is not a universal thing um, no. sometimes. But Zavala's focus of, and I make mean, even in D2, in the in the new tower, after you get done with the campaign, Zavala's location in the tower is looking over the city. He is 100% focused on protecting the city um, and keeping this and, you know, nurturing it and all that. Green?
1: My question is, we talk about hope as being something through the darkness, but would you say that hope is as strong during the points where everything's settled, say Age of Triumph, where we have completed things and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves before the Red Legion shows up?
0: Yes. I, I mean, are you asking... Or wait, Are you, okay, okay, I'm like, are you well, okay, asking so me personally, or are you asking me like... Do I'm asking as kind of a
1: breakdown. I Because...
0: I don't see hope as f- so. Um, I like, I don't see uh, hope as something that really flags necessarily. It's kind of like a binary switch in my mind, right? Um, you either kind of have, and, and this is this is one hundred percent just the way I view things. So this is by no means a like mm-hmm. a answer to everyone, but the way I perceive hope is like you either ha- <clears throat> excuse me you either have it or you don't like it's and it's it's the transition it's not always a conscious transition transition um it's a very right. amorphous scenario but i i don't see it as being uh, lessened
1: well l- let me put it to you this way at the point of age of triumph we have conquered quote unquote conquered a lot of different things there's not anything coming at us at that point where the whole city is kind of feeling good about themselves. And then you notice that there's somewhat complacency, it seems, taking place as we start the beginning of the Red Legion, or the Red War, Right as soon as the attack happens. And then you see automatically Zavala, he tries to have hope, and goes to Titan and sees that the Hive are there, and then just kind of dogs down. Ikora yeah. has already kind of lost hope before she gets to IO. Right. Cade's the only one who's actually trying to do something, even though it's like a crazy plan, not a bad plan, just a crazy plan, a Cade plan. But at that point, they became really complacent almost.
0: Mm-hmm. Which, which to to be, to be clear from from my perspective, again, my perspective of this situation, that's not saying that they don't have hope. That's saying that they became, I mean, so, They're uh, not vigilant. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, that's, that's a different psychological, um, drive in my mind. Uh, complacency mm-hmm. and vigilance is, does not, it's not mutually exclusive. Uh, or it, you can have vigilance and have hope, or you can be complacent and have hope.
1: Right. Still. Um, it's just the hope in what at that point because
0: correct now that that right right and that's where I'm kind of like it hope is a transient thing Um, and again it's a motivator it's a uh, Mm -hmm. one of one of the I'm trying to remember who it was uh, Kaufman Scott Kaufman calls it uh, he says that hope is not a feel-good emotion but a dynamic it's called a dynamic cognitive motivational system Uh, which which basically what that means is that When it's present, uh, your emotions follow your cognition instead of your cognition following your emotions, which sounds like a lot of ghibli, you know, gargle. But basically what that translates into is that I will decide on a plan of action and my emotional state will fall in line. Yeah, it will fall in line to support that plan of action. Whereas if you, are, um, if you are in a dissonance with that, you're and anyone – and the reason I'm kind of tiptoeing around this is because it's a really difficult topic to talk about because people who are severely depressed, people who are bipolar will know what, the, what I'm saying here. Um, it's not always in your control. Uh, There are there are certain there are certain chemical reactions within a brain that that can skew this out of out of a person's conscious control. Um, But the majority of a a cognitive learning or learning process is something that you kind of drag your emotions along with your cognition. Uh, Whereas if you're, you know, uh, bipolar, for example, if you're a manic and if you're in a manic episode, your cognitions kind of are screwed rude like they're no. they're just i mean like you you uh yeah it's I mean, just and, it's and i the I mean chemical that.
1: imbalancing right. and stuff like that
0: which it's, is where I mean, every, which is where the neurotransmitters ex- yeah
1: right and people experience everybody experiences that i mean everybody's true, made True, of
0: Bi- bipolar is bipolar is just a very it's a very strong it's, magnification of that which is, is why it i was is. using it it's it's an easy it's an easy way to see that um right. in present. So like if you ever uh, another way is like hey Black Friday. That's let's go with a safe one. But well not safe for anyone who got trampled. I'm sorry. But Black Friday, right? You know, you're you're on you're on the shopping spree. And all of a sudden you realize that you're, you know, hundreds of dollars in debt but you didn't think I mean, that's when your cognition followed your emotions, not your emotions following your cognition. Um sorry greed sorry i just saw no no i'm not i'm not even not even gonna go there Um, simply because i i don't have i don't uh, anyways anyways um but like basically the thing is is like i i go back to it like i i see what you're saying about the the age of triumph being an age of hubris or an age of resting on your laurels um which I agree. I, I completely agree with it. You know, that's that's kind of what it did definitely seem like. You know, we've beaten everybody that come up against us, you know, and, you know, anyone outside of the game, anyone who knows basic storytelling is like, yeah, oh, this is going to end badly. <laughs>
1: like this, mm-hmm. this
0: story arc is going to this there's going to be fire and tribulation in your future. Um, and there was. Hey, but um, I don't I don't think that hope ever left. Because I think it just shifted. Like, you just shifted from being hopeful that you were going to survive. It's Maslow's hierarchy of need. You're no longer fighting for survival. Now you're fighting for, you know, uh, additional security or, you know, self-actualization. You know, whatever tier tier of the pyramid you're on.
1: Right. At that point, we were probably, I mean, it's still the hope for the traveler, but we were secure and everything. So the advancements of arts and stuff like that would probably be
0: right. Right. I mean, so again, hi, throwing, going back to, to Maslow's, uh, Maslow had a hierarchy of need. am sorry. Uh, real quick for anyone who wasn't familiar, Maslow has a higher, uh, what's called hierarchy of needs, uh, which is basically a, uh, different tier system of developmental safe points or milestones.
1: Securities. Yeah. Securities.
0: securities. Um, well, the reason I don't say securities is because security is one of them. Um, right. But, but it's but anyways. Like if
1: you if you attain it. Right. Oh, yeah. Then yeah, you yeah, can yeah, move fair on fair into enough. the next one. Right.
0: And basically this is seen as you have to retain the different levels before you can achieve before you start going to the next one. And the top one is like self actualization. It's it's basically what a lot of people in the first world first world countries would recognize as being like they're you know, you see the the jokes about first world problems. That's that's a Gross oversimplification of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but you know, whereas in like a third world country, you're fighting for clean water or your food or even shelter. just shelter, you know, from from the from just the elements. Um, their focus and the reason that kind of applies to destiny is because before the age of triumph, our hierarchy of needs were very low on the level. Uh, we were we were constantly fighting back constant barrages of attacks from the fallen, from the high, from the vex, from the, you know all these different enemy races. Our our hierarchy of needs were dictating that we focus on security, um, you know, our well being, our safety of the city, of our families, um, all that. Whereas during the Age of Triumph, you actually ascend in that hierarchy of need to a higher level. You start seeing things like political security, uh, ambition, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. business, business stuff. You start seeing this. And that's not saying that that stuff is bad. I mean, We can get into an argument that would last for hours on that, but it's not saying that that is bad. It's just saying that you have transcended the base level of your hierarchy of need and you now you now have time to worry about this stuff. Whereas before you didn't have time to worry about that because you were worried about getting food on the table. Now, you know, foods on the table. Now you can worry about, hey, my, my my social prestige is not what I would like to see. You know, you see this in a lot of ancient worlds, the development. I mean, Rome is the prime example. Early Rome, you're worried about where the wall is to keep the animals out. You build the walls, you get, you know, you get that. all, And all of a sudden now it's like, oh, well, let's start doing, let's start stretching our muscles and doing some political maneuvering. And then all of a sudden you have this political powerhouse of a, of a culture that. They don't care, and that which which ultimately, you know, most people know the the end story of Rome. It led to they they neglected some things, and that fell on it, it swept out from underneath them, which is kind of what happened to us. So,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I just saw that one too. <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm.
1: I'm full uh, of jokes tonight, guys. Uh, you guys can't see them, but I'm full of jokes. Yeah,
0: uh, you yeah, uh, are. But but that, that's all to say that. Um I don't think hope ever flagged as long as the light was there. I think it was the removal of the light that created a a paradigm shift, um that a also, focus shift. Right, right. Sorry. Um sorry, yes, uh paradigm uh, a paradigm is basically a individual's view of everything. So there were what's called a worldview. Um, so when you have a paradigm shift, which is usually not very often, thankfully for us in reality, but a paradigm shift would be akin to um, someone finding out, that, let's say, that gravity was a figment of our imagination. Like it. it that is kind of the level of what paradigm shift happened in destiny two at the beginning when the light was taken away from these guardians. And that's why you see so many of them just mentally break is because that paradigm shift, that schism in their understanding of what is real and what is what, like how reality is supposed to work was ripped away. And and so not surprisingly a lot of people don't have the psychological fortitude to kind of handle the gravity of that situation our guardian was one of the ones who retained the hope to re to like reconnect everything with that light which is what sets our guardian apart really in destiny 2 is that we were one of the few who who really never seemed to lose hope in the traveler
1: Okay, here's another question then. Can you strengthen hope? Can hope be refortified, I guess is a better way to to um, ask that. Can an you, individual, like I know you can be right. inspired to hope, mm-hmm. but can an individual be um steeled to hope? <laughs> I guess is a way to put it. Uh, uh, uh.
0: Oh, that's a tricky mm. one.
2: That's a really I know.
1: That's why I'm asking I gotta, it. I'm gonna
2: um, say you could borderline that on brainwashing there if you're not careful. R- right, right.
0: Which is why I'm saying it's a tricky one because, like, yeah, 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 you sure can. You just mm-hmm. give away. You just take away free will, and you know. But but then I would also argue that. What
2: about Jedi orders? What? Yeah.
0: What? 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 <laughs> what? Um. Uh. Eli Wiesel had had a quote that it's um about hope about it's, it's only something that's able to be given from another person to another person. Uh, his, his entire point was that it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't quote a gift from God or a gift from a higher power. Um, only people can give hope or really only people can take away hope. And again, this kind of goes back to his experience with the Holocaust. Um, but I think, yes you can this kind of goes back to my understanding of hope as a binary switch um so you can't like increase the magnitude of hope but i i i kind of think that you can defend people against losing hope um and that's usually seen in in things such as like Inspirational speeches, inspirational deeds, uh, Mm -hmm. heroics—heroics being one of them—you know, giving people an example to live towards,
1: to create kind of their own paradigm shift. That that is something that they can attain. But okay, you always hear, and we're going to tiptoe back and forth to a topic of faith a little bit because Mm -hmm. there's a lot. It's super. It's super relevant a lot of the time. So. Uh, oh yeah,
0: I I, would, I agree completely. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. But yeah, I think. No worries. I think faith is faith is one of the easiest places to see hope.
1: It's one of the most talked about things? It, like right in too. faith is hope in something or faith in something, which technically I I don't think they're synonymous. I don't. I mean they're considered synonyms, but I I have mixed feelings about them being synonymous because what
0: hope and faith. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, um,
1: uh, no. But as far as th- an example that you hear from faith-based cultures or just a dogma of some sort is that the light on the hill in the darkness or um, your light will shine brightest in the dark kind of thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's the same thing of us going into the darkness zones. We are that tiny bit of light, so we are hope almost become sharper or mo- more noticeable in those situations when things are super, super bad. Um, right.
0: Uh, okay. So not,
1: it's not bigger. It's no, 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 just no, no, no.
0: I think contrasting. my, my response to that is I don't think that the hope is sharper. I think the situation is bleaker.
1: But that makes the light seem it seems brighter,
0: but abstractly light. can you you can argue that the light is not actually brighter. It is right, still consistent it's still constant. It's just I'm
1: just using sharper as kind right, of a right, right, contrasting right. notion rather than No, 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 yeah, yeah, bigger. yeah. I
0: just yeah, no, sorry. I just mean like it's uh you cuz I mean you're like right, your your light your light on the hill thing, right? Uh or mm-hmm. not your but the example of a light on a hill. Um mm-hmm. If you took – anyone who, who hasn't done this, I really encourage you to do this because it's really cool. Uh, if you take a candle, right, and you light a candle, light a candle in a lit room with lights on and everything. It's not that bright. It, it doesn't seem that special. Turn off all the lights, everything. Black out the windows if you can and make it as pitch black as you can and then light the same candle and that thing will that, – that it will appear like 10 times brighter and it
1: it's yeah it's the contrast of- it's
0: it's the contrast which actually is I I was trying to get bife on here because I call him I call him Lord Grimdark now after his recent YouTube video um, mm-hmm. because because he made a really good point about it and and I really wanted him on here because I was going to I was going to talk to him about the contrast in the storytelling because contrast is very important in storytelling. Right. Like that is, we talked again, we talked about this last week or earlier this week with Hellblade um, and Mm -hmm. children, children fantasies about how like, or children's fairy tales, how they're so contrasted against the black and white. There's not a lot of grays in them. Um,
1: right.
0: It's an easy way to go for it. Go for it.
1: Well, that's partially because of the developmental state of the children at the time.
0: Right. Right. Well, but also because it's even still developmentally, but yes, well, yeah. No, I mean, no, ch- children. I mean, I'm sorry, children. Age, children being right. Children being children at that age that these fairy tales were being told to
1: that are targeted towards.
0: They're not. They're not different today. No, we we might. No. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm as
1: far. Okay, so like as just to explain that to go a little further before you jump on more no, uh, educational psychology. Uh, psychology, a uh, child is very concrete until. About middle high school is when they start becoming a lot more abstract based everything's black and white to them and you can notice this very very simply if you go up to a child and just sarcasm is not something they get a lot of times unless they're taught that from their family they will not pick up on it automatically but right. once you get into high school they start just... picking up more abstract thoughts like love and and faith and all those things become more readily available you struggle with this point why do you struggle with this point sarcasm is part
0: of my being and my because you were raised on it my four-year-old does not understand any of my my quips he's his his number one (laughs) response to me to like in in today's world is dad are you joking (laughs)
1: <laughs> and,
2: like and I'm
0: like, childish. like no, like literally if I say anything, there is a probably 80 to 90% chance that his response will be, are you joking or are you serious right now? And I have to be, I'm like, and I actually sometimes have to stop and think and be like, uh Joking, and he's like, right. "Okay," and then and then he does the adorable little "Okay," <laughs> and uh-huh. it's like, I'm like, oh god!" <laughs> the force laughing. Don't force laugh, dude. Don't force laugh. <laughs> I love
1: kids. <laughs> but at yes, that age. I was <laughs> I was
0: like I was raised on sarcasm, so like, it's yeah, it's part of my. He will. I'm sorry to say, probably get that from me. I have a, one of my okay. favorite one of my favorite memes is the "I'm gonna die for being sarcastic at the wrong time." Uh huh. Um. So sorry. Uh. But you no. Know, going back to the so the concrete. Yes. Uh. Children. Children's developmental psychology. And I mean, honestly, I, I know everyone likes to think that we're so much more refined, but really, on <laughs> really at the base, psychological development has has really not changed.
1: Not changed.
0: It's I mean a kid a kid still needs to be in a highly contrasted environment especially during fundamental growth years on a on a psychological level um to teach it teach him or her social norms, right? That's that's the point of parents is to teach them social norms or parent or whatever you want to say it. Um parenting. Parenting, there you go. Uh I am not by by all means I defer to green when it comes to child psychology because I, I focused my education on the, the other half of life. <laughs> so that was the beginning part. I focused on the ending part, um, just to oversimplify that four years of my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, but I do remember I had we had to take a couple uh, developmental psychology classes. And I do remember because, I mean, I grew up on Grimm's fairy tales. That's that's right. the fairy tales that I grew up on. Um, and my wife will not let me read my, my fairy tales to my son because she grew up on Disney fairy tales, which I don't get me started on that one.
1: We'll also but, think about like oh Looney God. Tunes, Looney Tunes Whoa, are yo incredibly, God. They're, yo. Kind of, they're incredibly crass sometimes. Oh my God.
0: gosh, they're amazing. Go watch the, go watch the world war series of Bugs Bunny. Oh, God, and oh and my yes. gosh, it's amazing. But but I mean, but the point is, again, just like what what we're saying, the contrast, right? The stronger the Mm -hmm. contrast, the stronger the the message. And you see that with with Destiny, especially with this this understanding. And Bife does an amazing job with it, as usual. I mean, he always does an amazing job with stuff. But like his presentation of the concept of a universe that is very grim, dark, which um, is is a phrase that gets a lot of. Exposure with like Warhammer, um, but it, it's not exclusive to Warhammer. It's it's a it's a very kind of a newer genre of science fiction or science fantasy um, in which things are just overly depressing, like mm-hmm. just it. Uh, think of like the division. Right. As far as video right. games go, there, there's plenty of examples. Hellblade to a degree is grimdark.
2: Like I would say you've got Hellblade, you've got Warframe, you've got, I would even go as far back as to say something like Dune. Uh, oh,
0: yeah.
2: You could, you could also do... Um, Unreal Tournament. What is it, Rossum? Yeah, Unreal Tournament. Uh, I would I would go as far back as like one of the, the first instances where we hear of the, the actual first instance of hearing the word robot, which is Rossum's uh, US Robotics and mm, that is also mm-hmm. a very grim dark kind of fantasy we also see uh detroit become human coming up here shortly oh we yeah see this keep other idea on that one keep your eye on that. oh my one. goodness yes uh especially for all the controversy it's apparently making people think about um uh, <laughs> the which absolute, is why
0: i'm so interested in it actually is oh, because of that s- you <laughs> said it
2: like the, if, if something can make you make that you, like, uncomfortable question, Oh, I'm gonna say either make you question, make you like to make you that uncomfortable it has to be doing its job properly, for yep. one thing. Uh but for for making you like sit and question what it is that might be going on otherwise, that's the the whole perspective of Grimdark, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you get this uh dichotomy basically between something like uh look at Cade, for instance. Mm, yep. I think Cade Gallo showcases the ideas. Oh yes. I gotta say he's uh the the person that laughs the most is usually the one that hides the, the darkest past. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's usually the thing that you're going to find in a lot of cases. Plus you're going to end up seeing, um, you'll see this with his journals. You'll see this with the fact that he doesn't necessarily know what it is that was going on, which we also end up seeing with another hunter recently with uh, one of the new, uh, one of the newer tabs. If you read Shinobu's Vowels, we're not sure right. exactly what was going on with Shinobu, but there yeah. is some, some prevalence there that, oh, I used to write in this journal. I should probably keep doing that. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but I'm still going to do it. Um, there's this, this whole concept and thought that now you are, you are re-bringing yourself up from literally the dead, and now you have to become something a little different. You have to, you have to merge yourself into some sort of different being while grasping onto the concept, of course, of, of hope. While grasping onto something else. And of course, it just depends on like where you're going to end up going along with it. Um, What what is going to to spurn those thoughts for you? Uh, And and Kate, again, I think that's where he gets a lot of his um, a lot of his push, if you will. Uh, he looks back at Ace. He he knows that he was talking with Ace previously. He knows he was writing with Ace, and for some reason he continues to do so, even though he has no necessary memory about Ace. But he's like, "No, I uh, I still kind of talk to you about this because you you give me some kind of sense of where I was before." Um, that's just a a very interesting little. Uh, pathway causeway within the the world of destiny to me only because it showcases there's there's this level of humor that you need to take and level of of happiness that you need to take even though things look bleak even though you don't know your past even though you don't know what it was that you you came from uh, and the the Clovis Ray saga I think is a perfect example of that besides as well like just carrying on with the way that that all pretty well handles from Steva or before that just. Oh um,
1: yeah. Ugh.
2: yeah. <laughs> Clovis Bray. Speaking of more <sighs> thoughts on Daito came up from uh, some other stuff. Anyway, I, I the, saw that. <clears throat> anyway, mm-hmm. the biggest thing that, that constantly gets shoved in our faces though. Like we, well, when you go back to the tower and, and I, I like this about the artistry that's here within destiny. When you go back to the tower, everything is bright, it feels lighter, everything is even in the dark. Because you can look down at the city, you see all the lights that are on. Uh all the lights are even on up but excuse me, in the high wall and everything too, because it's not a tower, it's a high wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just this this level of feeling that light is there. There's this level of feeling that there's um there's a lot that you can kind of grasp to your your in your uh, you're in your element. You're back within the light. You're back within all of these things that kind of, kind of help you keep going forward. And that's where you go to recharge. And now take that uh, as the the opposite. Go even out to the EDZ. I'd argue to say it's a little darker.
1: Would you say uh, the farm is darker?
2: I would say the farm is slightly darker. Uh, I, I think that the it's still I, a recharge place, but it's not it's not the recharge place if that makes sense because you have the you have that dark shard of the traveler that you can see just billowing over with all this like corrupted energy and that's just hanging there as a constant reminder to kind of look up at this thing and go man what what happened to this poor thing what what is it that i need to learn from it what is it that i need to do to help it uh just so many other little silly things that kind of crop up at the fact that this dark corrupted shard is hanging there like over your head uh but even if you look at like the rest of what's going on it's more you're surrounded by people you're surrounded by other guardians that are also there to kind of help you along to to kind of help you recharge in that sense but no it's a it, it's a place of commun community but that's as far as it feels like it goes i would argue
1: Oh, well, it's, yeah, it's still a ref- refugee camp type thing. Mm-hmm. There's hope there, but it's still pretty dark. Even after the campaign and everything. Not dark as in coloring or anything like that, but there's still a set of bleakness there. Right. Blue. Yep, I would agree with that quite a bit. So we've kind of dug into, like, this a little bit of the psychology of it and the philosophy of it. We've mentioned hope through like the Red War, hope through like the loss of hope and how it's kind of almost a binary system. We've talked about uh Resolazir a tiny bit. Do we wanna dive a little deeper into that one since you just kinda of briefly touched it? Yeah, I was gonna say
2: I kinda I hijacked it with my name. No, 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 no. It's it's fine. <laughs>
0: this 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 episode is gonna definitely be more even more conversational and tangent filled than, than most of them. Um, mm-hmm. mostly because it's, it is such a broad subject, but to go to Rezzle, um, Rezel is the, one of the reasons I really appreciate the story is because it is at, a, at its core, it's a very simple story. Um, it's not a very convoluted story and it's a very traditional fairy tale slash warning of what hope can do um you see that with rezzle and then later his transformation into dredgen Yor and his his like almost fanatical obsession with hope um, and this is kind of this ties into my kind of view of the hive as kind of a, a vampiric race uh, because even as dredgen Uh, He was he was obsessed with hope, but it was for a different reason. He wanted to consume it. He wanted to to imbibe the energy of it because, according to him, there was nothing sweeter than watching the hope gutter into darkness. Um,
1: Which I have seen children do to other children, by the way. And you see that online too. Like you see people who purposefully. I know. I know mm. we're not getting into specifics mm. on it, but mm-hmm. you can see people who enjoy sucking the air out of a room.
0: Oh yeah. Is yeah. Nice way I will say it. this. If you do that to my son, you will, you will. Mm, mm, sorry. But
1: I'm saying like children parent, will do it to each other. Parent
0: rearing up there. Oh yeah. No, I know we've, we've had to, we've already, I mean, even, even though our, even though our little guy is four, we've already had situations like that. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's tough. And it, it, I mean, as a parent, that's that's terrible, but also it's one of those things that you have to take your take your helicopter blades off and kind of let them figure it out on their own as well, Um, which is that's that's really the toughest part, to be honest, is not pummeling this other small child because they're hurting yours. I mean, I'm I'm dead serious. Like it's it's very difficult. To not oh, be, I understand. You know, really protective of of your kid, but you see that, and and you know, and I and I think that 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 degree of protectiveness is often what Rezel felt at the beginning. Um, but the the really cool thing about the story of Yore and the story of Rezel, whatever you want to call it, is that you see this really bright light at the beginning. This really, really powerful figure of inspiration and, and hope. And over time you see him just weighed down. Uh he, he just he just gets burned out. Uh really. He he's burning he's burning the candle at both ends, it almost seems. And he just he just can't keep it up. Uh he, he can't keep the, the whatever I don't think it's a facade by any means. I think he was very genuine. In the way that he perceived hope, but it, it was just something that he tried to shoulder something alone, which is another very big message inside destiny, um, is the, the concept of doing things alone versus doing things as a, as a community or as a team, a team, right. Which is going back to Ikora, um, actually speaking when she was talking about, uh, her failure She actually comes out at the end of that entire lore entry, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, because that's the one that Osiris keeps telling her that she was a failure. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she comes out at the end. And uh, I don't know if this is I don't know if you read it this way, but I kind of read it as like she was like, you know what? It wasn't a failure because Osiris is wrong. You you basically Osiris viewed it as if you need help, you're failing. And mm-hmm. Ikora is realizing that, no, because if you need help, that makes you human. Mm-hmm. And that's and, not a failure. And that's an and important it, message. Sorry, sorry.
2: No, you're fine. Um, if you look at it from the perspective, too, that she was you know, such a predominant figure in the Crucible. Mm-hmm, she right. was the iconoclast of the Crucible. Yeah. She she did everything solo. She did so many different things that she needed to and climbed the rankings in so many different ways, having a, a ridiculous win record, one of the the only big ones that ended up, like, stacking up against all of their guardians. And she pushed it for, for what? Because she wanted to grow more powerful? Was that her means to do it? Like, she has so, like, these these ideas and concepts for her are are born of osiris right they are are given to her in a nutshell the seed is planted by osiris if you will with uh presenting these thoughts of how to be a warlock or what to do as a warlock right but then she takes it in this whole different measure and starts to learn and and i feel that was very poignant by the end of the campaign as mm. well they they stressed the idea Of saying, uh, you know, I've had many teachers, I've gone through pain, I've gone through loss, I've gone through many different things, but when all is said and done, I am here, I am standing here, I am looking at you, I am thankful to see you, and I want to welcome you back, and I know that you don't necessarily, you know, want to come home with us. When you see a change in a character like that, it's... It's kind of incredible. Uh, I just, uh, especially with somebody like Ikora, because I think as all of the, the, the three vanguard overall, we have seen her change the most. We have seen this idea of just being this stern teacher, becoming more of somebody that is a human, that is getting in touch more with who she was or how she might have used to be. Uh, it is, it is something where, yeah, she's, she's turning more into a friend Mm -hmm. and that's pushed by a couple of the scannables that we start to see too. Uh, that's pushed by the fact that there's, uh, the one scannable I'm referring to before I get off topic on that, actually, they, uh, it's one of the most ludicrous and toughest ones to get to because you have to do this stooping, stupid jumping maneuver, uh, but by New Monarchy, you can do this scan that'll actually talk oh, about God. how Ikora is trying to pu- – you remember the one
1: mm-hmm.
2: – um, how Ikora is trying to push to get uh, people to uh, come in and out of the tower more often. And Ghost says that's a really nice thing to see. It's a, a fantastic thing to see that we're starting to get more civilian interaction. Uh, oh, yeah. I do remember the, that one, right. And then the, uh, the one newer – now I forget if it's a sparrow or if it's uh, if it's a ghost shell. I want to say it's a, a ghost shell. Uh, they we actually get a little bit of a city herald uh, that actually pops up and starts to talk about. Well, I was finally admitted into where the guardians are are able to be, and I can safely tell you. That even though we thought the Guardians would act the exact same way that we do, we were completely wrong. They <laughs> dance a lot. All the time. And I was just like, oh my goodness. You know, that like, this is new to them. This is new to the city. and
1: Well, they haven't truck. been able to see us that much.
2: Well, they've been pushed away from the towers so much. Like, right. you've got these, you have so few, um... It was the Daft Punk ghost. Yes, the the uh, <laughs> the, the electro ele, electric I can't hear <laughs> no. it. It's the Daft Punk. It's the Daft Punk ghost.
1: Yeah. I'm it's just going to call it that electri- from now on. I love Electronica that electronic shell is what it's Electronica
2: called. Electronic shell.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 No. But it's, it is it's Daft Punk. It is. It is henceforth <laughs> called the Daft Punk
2: ghost. <laughs> oh my but goodness! Yes, now I we're going to have that. pentatonics <laughs> in here. I love that. Uh, that was fantastic when they pulled that. Um and there was there was another point I wanted to make, oh yes, uh so al sector uh al mm-hmm. sector mm-hmm. was one of the only biggest points otherwise that we knew of that existed where we had these civilians be kind of integrated into the system for that brief time, Now, obviously, we have people like we have Banshee, we have Eva Levante. Uh, we have quite a few others that have kind of been admitted into the tower because they're very trusted people. But then you have these certain ones that are allowed in and out once in a while. Uh, and there's a ton of different things that can kind of be born of uh, of like what Al Sector alone kind of implied for civilian relations to the Guardians and to the tower.
1: Can I? I'm going to circle back on something real quick. Sure. So we were talking about Rezzle. Yeah. We got off topic again. No, no, no. It's okay. I'm I'm circling back because this is a point I wanted to make during this is that you see this with celebrities. They Mm -hmm, get so mm -hmm. used to the adoration and everything like that, that they start to act out and do things that would get them different kind of attention. Because they get that high from the attention they get or the inspiration they cr- cause. Do you think that's something that Rezal could have experienced himself? Like he was, he was put up yes. on a shelf as the guardian, the inspiration, the bright one, and now he's just like, okay, this is. I no, you no, I don't want this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that hubris. I mean, yeah no hubris had a huge component in his, his his uh his downfall um he he did a number of things that even his ghost was like we really shouldn't be doing that. i mean like the entire i think it's uh uh the whisper in the bone card um where he he- he originally goes to the moon. And it was the where he grafts, mm-hmm. okay. when he grafts the bone to Rose. Um, right. That entire introduction, and I can't remember if it's Whisper in the Bone or if it's another one, or the one right before it. But the one that introduces him walking into the pit, it was like, no, the only reason he is going is because um, he's looking for a bigger challenge. He needs to prove to himself that he can do, you know, this or something, you know, it, it was, it, it was basically, he's a thrill seeker at that, at that point almost. And and like it wasn't, but he had convinced himself that this was what he needed to do to protect the city or some something. And so, but he was also getting a high out of it too. Um, mm. and I, I totally think hubris had a large percentage of what happened to him. Um, which, I mean, kinda of makes sense given that he was kind of attacked by I, I don't want to say it was an Ahamkara, but it was it was very similar to that that approach. Mm-hmm. And and we know one of the one of the biggest things, one of the biggest sins, you know, not to not to go too far down the, the religious wormhole here. <laughs> Didn't mean for that one to, either. But uh pride. Mm-hmm. Pride cometh before the fall.
1: Right, so with the shadows, though the shadows have oh shadows, I know. But that that's mm. that's where I'm getting into an interesting concept. Though, is the shadows have hope to be like Resol? Yes, later.
0: But it's but and and that and it's a
1: darker one.
0: But it's hope. Mm-hmm. It's and that's and that's really honestly one one of the things that I love about the concept of hope is that it is not a good evil thing it is merely an energy motivator
1: it's a desire
2: hardly mutually exclusive
0: right right it's it's every single person and, and that's what i love about bungie's villains is i mean gall let's let's take Gaul for example one of the oh, reasons God, i was yeah. so excited about Gaul was from the very beginning he was introduced as a person who thought he was doing the right thing yeah. Which, I'm sorry, if you're gonna have a villain, that is the basis that you build the villain off of. Is you convince you you convince the villain that he is doing the right thing because ultimately, at a base psychological level, everyone no one they're No really, one's a uh, villain. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to say that because there are a few people who take pleasure in that, and that's a whole different mental state, but like right. But, but like the vast majority of people, same. they, yeah, yeah, right. Well, okay, fair enough. The people who have not had a, a break from abstract reality to a degree, they are convinced that they are doing the right thing. Everyone, everyone is, everyone is convinced that they are doing the right thing. The problem is, is that the right thing, quote, air quotes here is an amorphous definition
1: that's history but that's is the beauty. The winners.
0: Well, there's, I mean, yeah, yeah, the victors write the history books. Like that's completely correct. I mean, and the victors
1: and, are always good.
0: Of course, of course they are. I mean, I'm not uh, historically. Sorry. No, no. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things that, like, when we're talking about the hive, it's very difficult for me not to compare them to the Crusades, um, mm-hmm. because to me, there is a very strong. Um, especially with Fundament, the entire situation with Fundament, uh, the hive remind me quite a bit of a lot of the earlier crusades and especially in the middle East on both sides. And, uh, especially with the taking of Granada, uh, with the slaughter at a Tarn, a toll or Karn, Carn mm-hmm. a toll reminds me a lot of the, the entire realm of battle that was Spain during the crusades, uh, and if you if you want to know more about that, I'm more than happy to kind of talk about that in detail in Discord. Uh, but there there's a very large co- like connections uh, parallels between those two, um, and I don't and I'm not sure if that was intentional or if that's just me um, knowing the trivia knowledge that I know and playing the game and reading these cards kind of things. Um, but to me that is a very good example because in the same way that uh, uh um, the same way that Arash I think was the, was she in the Orash mode at that point or was she still
1: She wasn't fundament? orcs
0: yet yeah on fundament
1: Orcs is Orcs is later
0: yeah, orcs wasn't until later after the Deep, but Orash... Right. I, anyways, in one of the transformations, right. I can't remember off the top of my head, they were convinced that they were really doing the correct thing at that point. Like, at that right. point, they had already gotten the revenge, and they were trying to live up to a bargain that they had made, which was a Faustian bargain, everyone agrees. It was a dumb yeah, bargain. It was a dumb bargain, but, I mean... In the context of the siblings that were making it, it made perfect sense, which is why it's a Faustian bargain. Um, and it, I mean, anyone who's read Faust knows that it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. Right. Anyone, I mean, but, but with, they were trying to uphold their end of that bargain, right? And the well, same. Even, can be, oh, go for it. Go for it. Sorry.
1: Even with Oryx later on, yes. Oryx is still just fulfilling what he, he believes is right at the time, just to try to create right.
0: Because remember. Now, no, I was going to say, remember what happens when Oryx doubts. Mm-hmm. He has to be, he, his his path, quote unquote, has to be corrected. But there is a point at which Oryx kind of questions. And he's like, uh, is this the right thing? And, and right. even Savathun, to a degree, has, well, Savathun seems to question it all the time, which makes sense given her her sphere of power. But, mm-hmm. like, she's always questioning, is this the right thing? Is this, is this what we really should be doing? You know, whatever. Um, right.
1: Now, I will, I will mention something because that Sabathun was brought up in chat. It's hard to say that Zabithun is a quote-unquote just absolute evil villain because we don't know her perspective. Yes, correct. All I... we've ever gotten is Oryx's perspective and our own. That's it. And as far as Sabath- well, and Tolans as far as Sabathun goes, but there hasn't been a whole lot that we've gotten from her because we haven't really met her yet. We just have had encounters with her minions,
2: right? Um, and even, then to oh go for it, Bear, go for it. Even Zivura Roth, we honestly
0: don't know too right. much well, about. Actually, either. we know we even, we even know less about her than yeah. either of the other Be- two
2: because there's there's a lot of interaction between Oryx and Sabbathoon. And we at least see a few things, especially like uh, Oryx handing over uh, Koraya Blade Transform to (laughs) Savathun as one of the biggest ones. Uh, So it's obvious that they still talk pretty often. I'm sure that her and, uh, or her, technically her, Oryx and (laughs) Zabu or Rob also talk quite often. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just a matter that we don't necessarily see those interactions. And the problem we're... Also, you know, these books are full of lies. We're not sure how much of that is also going to end up being uh, true in that kind of scope. uh
1: right.
2: What it is that they ended up uh, legitimately talking about or, or comparing themselves to. Uh, and it's more m- more to the, the point that I'm trying to make on it. It's it's a matter that Sabathun is one of those characters that, yes, is a little bit more uh, in- indirectly spoken to to us. Uh, mm mm-hmm we don't know enough of her to legitimately say much. We, I think know now more about, uh, Kariah blade transform and what's up with him than we do much else, which is I, saying something.
1: I would also say that if you take the, the short story of Sabathoon trying to, um, stop orcs, mm. that she is stopping him from becoming, like too powerful for his own good and taking over the hive as King, because I mean, it's just all based on perspective at that point. Like yeah. there, she could be considered a good guy for her own self and pe- like the followers that she had. It's just, anyway, we're kind of swearing off. <laughs> I was going to, I it was going to bring, I was no. going to
0: bring, I was going to bring it back actually in, in line with the hive you see that to a degree with Zavala and Hawthorne. Um, mm-hmm. it's another, it's another degree of perception as far as hope, because like we were saying earlier with Zavala, he's, he's hoping for this dream of the city, this utopia, like not really utopian. That's a bad use of that word. Um, this, this ver- sorry. I, I, I said that and then immediately was like, that is the <laughs> most, that is, like, not, on, that is not, that right? is not what Zavala wants. um, I mean, he wants it, but he also is realistic enough to know that it's not going to happen. But, like, he has this dream of the city in which the guardians are the shield and the sword and, you know, these, these, these knight protectors and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then you get Hawthorne in D2, and Hawthorne's like, yeah, you know, there's another place with walls and guards that you're not allowed to leave. We have another word for that, too. It's called a prison. And it's like, I mean, to me, when I heard that line the first time, I was like, oh, like, I mean, I had kind of thought about, like, I had thought about it, like, really briefly in D1, but I hadn't really, I, I just, you know, we didn't have the perspective of civilians, really. Um, we
1: didn't also know if civilians were allowed to leave or not.
0: Well, I mean, like, it, I, yeah, I mean, it was kind of implied that they didn't want to. Like it it was, it was never like, it was never really spoken about. And so like, I mean, we didn't really, you know, we didn't really think, but as soon as she said that it was like, oh, this is, this is like, you know, take Mm -hmm. your pick of dystopian films. And this is kind of that, oh no, or the Stepford Wives, you know, like the, we're perfect here. like, and would you like an apple pie? Like, it's like, okay, no, 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 this is getting creepy now.
1: It's the idea that their choice is taken away right. and isn't and really freedom.
0: Well, because, quote, you know, to quote Zavala or to quote Hawthorne quoting Zavala, it's like, no, we know what's good for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like that. And from the civilians perspective, that is it, it removes their agency and it removes their ability to it's like, OK, yeah, we're we're quote alive. But what's the point? Right, like there's no point to me being alive other than to to give you the resources. Like I mean, at that point you become an expendable. You can see it being a, a breath away from a, a very strange dictatorship and a very abusive relationship, in the sense that the guardians demand tithing from the civilians. Almost, you know, to kind of go with the feudal presentation there, like. Mm-hmm you have to give us steel armor. You have to give us these glimmer, you know, things and, and all this stuff. And it's like, no, this is, this is actually, this is a problem. And so that's why with D2, I think the presentation of Hawthorne as like a liaison between the civilians and the guardians really is a really cool resolution to that entire conflict. Um, because it's, it's giving the civilians a voice. And, and you know, even Zavala's little nod at the end of the campaign um, where it's he uh, he calls Hawthorne a guardian like it's it's him kind of it seems like it's him changing that that view and kind of acknowledging that, no, we are not the only ones who can fight because Hawthorne, I think, wasn't in the in the barn. She's like, you know, we've been doing this our entire lives without the light. Like, right. <laughs> welcome, welcome to our world. <laughs> and it was like,
2: yes, good job, Hawthorne. Yes. But Beard, I know you had something. Uh, it was actually catering back to Hawthorne and the uh, view for the people, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. how, what kind of hope she's brought to it. Because we see a, a couple of scannables that are uh, out and about in the tower where it mm-hmm. seems that idea of hope is actually carried a little bit perhaps too far. Because mm-hmm. now new monarchy supplies are being <laughs> ransacked. Uh, we see a few other things about uh, dead orbit being spied on, and I mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily the the same inkling, but it could possibly be. I took that uh, as there's a dead these dead orbit being
0: politically manipulative within dead orbit. Like, the, yeah. are you talking about the Iraq like being yeah. spot? Yeah, because we had the card where were like. The other Iraq had been like, "Stop sending assassins! Like yes. I'll just keep killing them. Stop!" It's <laughs> like, yes. I'm sorry. Love it, but what yeah, the new abouts- the, uh, that was from D1, I think was the yeah. I was going to say into the uh, there was a he was I can't remember. I think it was an Iraq who was hiding in a cave and one yep. of the other arocs kept sending like assassins after him and he was just like he basically wrote a letter to this other aroc that was like stop i'm going to Cut. just keep killing them so just <laughs> stop and it was like the like weirdest funny not funny card because and he was also obsessed with the taken but like mm-hmm. but um no, the, the New Monarchy thing, I always took that more as also the civilians being pissed because New Monarchy is often um, part of the police force. Right. And so they were kind of like – because I think New Monarchy kind of took – like when the tower fell, I got the sense that New Monarchy kind of spearheaded the
2: the well, they, relief effort, I guess you would call it. They, they would almost have to in a way, but also with the – at least for like the police force, there were – several factions of guardians that now no longer exist. Like the peace, uh, the peacekeepers, peacemakers. peacemakers, Yeah. Peacekeepers. Yeah. They were, they were basically like destroyed when the cabal hit. Mm -hmm. So there were several pieces that just, they, they don't exist anymore. Like as functioning bodies, like the speaker, there is no speaker right now. There is no peace, uh, peacekeepers. There's several bodies that are just gone from the tower in that respect. But, Sorry, Green, I know, I know you wanted to say something. It's
1: okay. There's also a scannable in the tower that actually says that all the factions are working together to reinstigate within the city. It's That one's over by Ikora, hmm. off in the corner. But I yeah, mean, it's, still,
2: it's still this idea of togetherness and a consensus, even with the speaker not perhaps right. at the head of it. Well, and that's what I I kind of can dig about it. It's mm-hmm. us now working together without a a thing that's a quote unquote unifier or a thing that did bring us hope previously. It is now, now us acting as like a uh, as like a, a push on our own.
1: Right, you're not being told to have hope because of the traveler. Bec- you can you can discover hope yourself, or you can in- it's such a hard word to try to work around. Um, there's different <laughs> spots in the tower where people go to contemplate. Right. And this is after the Red War. They're contemplating yep. things now yep. about things that have happened and things that are going to happen. There's a spot for Hawthorne. There's a spot for um, Amanda,
2: Amanda Holiday.
1: Yep. I mean, they're just—they're all just thinking about life and like why, which I think is really cool.
0: They're also thinking like, about the experiments that are going on. And t- wait, what? Uh,
1: Yay, idle dialogue. More experiments.
0: <laughs> the experiments are getting loose. No, no.
2: <laughs> all the experiments. We
0: are not doing them. Destiny, Resident Evil. Yeah, really. Sorry. You you said like there there, you said that there are places of contemporary thought or for contemplation. I was like, oh man, all the civilian Mm -hmm. idol dialogue is like there is so many like weird one-liners. Like smuggling has gone up by I can't Mm -hmm. remember what what percentage, but it's like yeah, we chase this we chase this little girl through the sewers and was like what
1: like which makes (laughs) sense. Oh yeah, not the little girl through the sewers, the smuggling part. Right, 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 right.
0: Yeah, you, you start allowing civilians into the tower and, you know, they get their hands on all these things that normally they would be out of. I mean, that's the entire storyline of, of Vice, right? Mm-hmm. All, the, all the weapons that <gasps> we are so used to. Yes, I know. The colony completely was an amazing. No,
1: resource. I was going to talk about the spider gun. Yeah,
0: it's the colony.
1: It's so cool. Uh-huh. But You've seen it in action.
0: No, I just read the tab. Oh my, oh my god, gosh.
1: it's so cool! <laughs> it's so cool, guys. Like I go mean, I watch. Want it. I want go it. watch Mr. Fruits' video. Like he played, he did a review on it from somebody else's account. And the there the are little spiders that crawl after <laughs> you and climb up the wall, and it's so cool. It's the <laughs> coolest gun I've seen in Destiny Two so far.
0: But um but Vice was I mean that foundry was built around the concept that civilians didn't have access to the more prestigious foundries like Soros and Dido and uh well not Nadir, Hockey. but um Hake. Nadir was kind of the low point. But anyways mm-hmm. um Which I I just I I love Nadir. Like they just make jokes. They make jokes so easy for themselves. But um, I was gonna say like the the contrast between between Zavala and Hawthorne really shows more than anything how hope is not is not an abstract good thing or bad thing. It's just a motivator, because Zavala's hope led to this police state that Hawthorne's hope was to get out of you know her her hope was directly in conflict with zavala's hope to a degree that she was viewed as a criminal in the city mm-hmm. i mean granted she also stole things so i mean like she she was actually a criminal but like she was a
1: smuggler she was a of smuggler
0: sort. of of some of some kind but i mean like her her primary hope was to escape and you start kind of getting the feeling that she wasn't the only one i mean the whole the whole story of the rat king for example um you know, is is kind of tying into that that idea of escaping into the wilds and surviving on your own without having to rely on these, you know, militaristic police forces, and and that makes a lot of sense for those of us who you know who are who are lucky enough to live in in countries that are dictatorships um, or m- m- bad dictatorships. Um, you know we we don't have we don't have militia and we don't have these military curfews and stuff like that. So, but I mean if you if you think about it in the last city, it would make sense that they would have that because they're at war. They are at a constant war with the fallen, with the hot you know whatever pick pick your flavor of enemy. So they they technically do have grounds to say hey curfew. You know we we need to be able to patrol the streets and we need to be able to. Know that you know any movement on streets after a certain amount of time is you know not not necessarily sanctioned, and that can easily translate into
1: the for vendetta sex- situation.
0: <sighs> it's a terrible movie, but yes,
1: the book is good. <laughs> the book is good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I yeah, Guy Fox is like such like such a weird oh yes figure,
1: although that speech is still one of my favorites. Which one? The V1? Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's there are there are there are there are good points in the I just didn't like the movie. But
1: anyways. That's fine.
0: Though his knife fighting ability is pretty pretty spectacular. Yes. Yes. But I mean that's that's really the the major stories from Destiny that I I think are are good good symbols, I guess, of hope. Uh, is Analogies. Analogies, right, yeah. Inspiration. Never mind, I'm just going to stop. No. Nope. Um, uh, um, allegories. Like Rezl, yeah, Rezzle shows both the power of what hope can do as well as what the removal of hope can do. And Zavala's, Zavala's story and Zavala and Hawthorne's story, I guess, to be more precise, show the fact that one person's hope is another person's nightmare um, can be or can be right. And I mean, and again, we, we, we have a number of antagonistic forces in destiny, all of which have been presented with their own level of hope. Um, you know, again, with the, with the shadows of callous, that that was a very, very cool thing to read that all these, these characters who were doing very, very, terrible things. I mean, the the Fulminator, for example, like electrocuted people to death. Um and did so gladly at mm-hmm. Callus's at Callis's behest and it was all done in in hope that he would leave her people alone. You know, right. you have um I my understanding is that Feltrock is coming back, which I'm super excited for because Feltrock Feltrock Feltroc was amazing. But like the the entire uh, the entire species of the Kaga um, or the Clips, sorry, the Clips. The Kaga Clips mm-hmm. was the group. The Clips was um, between Roll and Feltrock. It, it's like their their entire thing was Hope. Uh, Roll actually, I think, called it out entirely that uh, Callus promised him that he would leave his people alone if he served him. And, and Roll was the one that they sent an entire like squadron of a, of their best fighters against Callus and Callus just kind of laughed at them. So, I mean, the, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, and then, yeah, you have Oryx, all, all the really good villains, in my opinion, have, have this degree of hope woven into their very narrative that makes them such a powerful villain or makes them such a powerful hero.
1: But well, even the factions have hope in different flavors. Their,
0: uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every, every single faction has a hope. Every single faction has a dream. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just this, that's the thing is like, and I think the other main, the other really important thing for me to kind of get across to, in tonight's chat is that hope does not equal blind optimism. I know it's a it's
1: a motivating factor.
0: Right. I know a lot of people hear the word hope or hear the word hopeful and they're like, oh, yeah, that's just a glass half full, blah, blah, blah. And it's it's not Uh, hope can be bloody hope can be gritty and it can be messy, Um, but it's there. And it's it's a it's the motivating factor that basically gives meaning to a lot of people's existence. I, I would argue strongly that it's the meaning it gives meaning to everyone's existence because without hope of something, you don't have any reason to do anything. Um, a
1: drive,
0: correct? And I and I even I mean, yeah, I, I would I I put, I kind of call it something that pulls you because it's hope for it's a hope for a future. It's not something that's pushing you from the past, right? Um, and you see that a lot in some of like, uh, especially comic books, the difference between a person who's seeking revenge for revenge's sake, um, as opposed to someone who is maybe seeking revenge in order to better, you know, or some, like the motivation can can shift and the, the actions are abstractly the same. But because the motivation is different, the effects of the same action are drastically different.
1: I I guess in my perspective, I would say hope is kind of like gravity is that it's two forces pulling on each other. Mm-hmm. Because yes, because you can yep. you can be lost, you can lose hope, yes. like Savala lost hope or Ikora lost hope in just surviving at that point. But you can find your way back because you can you can be pulled a, away a little bit or pulled towards it as you move towards it.
0: Yes, I agree. I mean, and, and I, the really reason I, I differentiate between pulling and pushing is because of uh, because I, I view hope as again being a future state, and pushing is implies a past state. In my in pulling, my, head,
1: pushing, yeah, yeah. Pull, sorry, pulling pulling to me implies that it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like you. are like you're being pulled toward. Like if you're pulling I mean, that towards is it, part, that, that is
0: that is part of hope is that belief in that it will get better or something right. will happen.
1: But but if the problem mm. with hope in some like okay, so mm-hmm. my biggest issue and this is something I brought up in summary is that hope in and of itself doesn't. It's not static. You it can't right. be static. You have to be moving towards a goal. If you're not. Do you really truly have hope for it?
0: Um, so I I will split split hairs with you hairs. on this one. Yeah, I'm going to split a hair on y- with you on this because the the specifics of the hope are not static, correct? But the presence of hope in the future state of your life is static, and it will always pull you. Hope cannot right. push you from the past because hope is because of the fact that hope is not static. It has to exist in the future because the past is not mutable, right? Mm -hmm. So the past, the past is static. So hope cannot exist. I mean, uh, yeah, hope cannot exist abstractly in the past. So therefore it can never push you. It can only pull you because it's from a mutable force. It's, it is a mutable force and therefore it has to sit within a mutable presence and that is only going to be within the future, which is the only temporal entity thing that is mutable. The present is technically not mutable. It kind of is, depending on your definition of present. But the past is definitely not. The past is pretty much set in stone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I say that hope pulls you, I am, I'm not saying that a, a hope pulls you. I'm saying hope in the, the general abstract concept of hope pulls you your, your direction that you are being pulled in can change. But the fact is that you're still getting pulled.
1: Right. It's a, your that's desire, what, your, right. your desire is that direction.
0: Right. You, you are being, uh, I can't even say driven really, but you're, you're being moved in the same direction on a temporal line because in human experience in the human world, Line or time is a forward backward movement. It's not a, right. it's not a three dimensional process. So the fact, the fact is that if you're pull if you're being pulled forward to the right or being pulled forward to the left, it doesn't matter. You're still being pulled forward.
1: Right. I'm just saying that with, with hope in and of itself, like if you sit there and say, I hope I have, French toast for breakfast tomorrow, which is a valid hope. And I'm mm-hmm. planning on making French toast. No, I'm jealous for breakfast, of you. Is, uh, we've got banana slices that are going nice. on top. Too. It's oh, gonna be great. Nice. nice, perfect. Why I'm going to be.
0: I'm going to be driving overnight. We're going to be visiting Green,
1: and <sighs> yeah,
0: hope is a driving like, force. Literally, it will be like my driving force. That's like 14 hours later. I don't um, care. French French toast is worth it.
1: But I have so, a very
0: low standard. <laughs>
1: I have, so, so the hope of having French toast in the morning, if you do not move, or somebody or something does not move to have the French toast, it is a not. It's not a substantial hope. You see what I'm kind it's not, of meaning if here. It's, like if your it's
0: hope, your hope hasn't been not actualized. Substanti-
1: right, you're not substantiating it.
0: But, so, but that's not to say that that hope doesn't exist.
1: It's still. I, I view hope as having a forward re- momentum. Oh for yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but uh, if it's up static, until the
0: minute, up until the minute of breakfast, I'm gonna hope that I'm gonna have French toast. Now, right when I sit down and I realize that no one has made um, French toast, and I'm gonna be stuck with you know Captain Crunch and my four year old being mad at me for stealing a cereal, that's the realization that my hope was false. But now I have hope that for lunch, I'm going to have, you know, it, it, it's, it's a continuous changing right.
1: it present, is, but you can help substantiate, substantiate that hope. I guess what I'm saying is that hope leads to the drive of having something better happen.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And hope so is, hope
0: is the belief that circumstances will get better. Right. Hope, it's not a, it's not a wish, but it's like this yeah. belief.
1: But I think that it's kind of a feedback loop, yes. Because I could hope all I want that I'm going to have French toast in the morning, but if I don't have eggs and bread and syrup and stuff like that, and I don't go and get that, mm-hmm. that hope can be and that's not and and
0: here's 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 where the the fine line between hope and optimism optimism is is optimism would be saying. I don't have eggs and I don't have bread, but I'm gonna have French toast. Like this, and is, this is like show
1: up this is like the
0: this is the biggest oversimplification of this example I can think of. But like right. that that would be optimism, right? It's right. it's this it's this like just completely un, really. It's usually not unrealistic, but in this case, it is a completely unrealistic expectation of the way reality works. Um, idealism is is usually synonymous with optimism. Um, it's not really, but it usually is, um, it which is probably the most confusing statement that I've ever given. But mm-hmm. anyways, optimism is saying, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to have French toast in the morning. Okay. Hope can be optimistic, but it doesn't have to be. It can also be realistic hope, which is, I hope I want, I want, I'm hoping to have French toast in the morning, but I don't have eggs. I need to get up and go get eggs so that in the morning I can have French toast.
1: And that that hope grows stronger because then the next step.
0: Right. Because you're, you're, you're on. And that's, that kind of goes back to the beginning when we were talking about that, that emotion following cognition, like you are, you are creating a pathway to which your intention is to achieve that hope. Right? right, it's Everyone the gravitational to,
1: force between what you desire and what a, you are doing right. it's, to it's, it's a terrible, get
0: to it. It's a terrible movie, but Donnie Darko. Like, Sorry, no, no, no. Like that's it's like, a ter- like the 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 scene where he sees the the wormhole thing in front of people. That's intentionality. You guys know what, that scene that I'm talking about. Uh, it's like he. It's. Uh, Have you seen Donnie Darko? Yeah. Okay, you know where he is kind of like they're at the party Mm -hmm. and his I think it's his sister's boyfriend is going to get beer and he sees like all the people running around and he's the little um, the little like clear thing is in front of him and they're following the path that it's setting it's basically it's it's one of like the best representations of intentionality that I've seen. And even though I really am not a big fan of the overall movie, that that particular scene is very, very it, it's very self-explanatory because it basically shows the person's intentionality and then the body follows that intentionality. And like there's like there's a scene with a little girl who's like skipping around and it's this little like a little wave worm thing that's like bouncing mm-hmm. in front and she's fault her body's like getting dragged by it. And that's kind of like what intentionality is. Is like your your hopeful is driving the intentionality, which is like you know I'm gonna have French toast. Kind of going back to this example, I'm gonna have French toast. I gotta get bread and eggs. That means I have to go to the store. And you know, and then it kind of you, you build you build this plan that leads to the realization and the actualization of this hope. That is a realistic. That is hope in realism. Hope in optimism would be the the the. First example of like I'm gonna go to sleep and magically, you know, French toast will appear because I hope it. And you're gonna get all your dreams fractured and lost, and you'll sink into mm-hmm. depression and not have any breakfast.
1: You will be
0: fine. Anna will feed you. Oh, that's you true. Will feed that yourself. is probably true. I will probably just make cinnamon toast. Just but think,
2: Just just have little light and, choice. and not you know burn down the house. What?
0: chat this analogy is fantastic
1: <laughs>
0: can you tell that we have gotten hungry at this point
1: right it's also like uh, almost 12 30 your time Yeah, pretty much i'm
0: gonna Tuesday's go make a, i'm gonna go make cinnamon toast now is what is going to happen but uh <laughs> that being said let's uh that's my shout out actually is cinnamon toast just a cinnamon toast? Just a cinnamon what toast. About,
2: what about powdered toast, man? Can we do that?
0: Uh, it's acceptable, but man, like homemade All cinnamon right. toast, like you get cinnamon, you mix it with sugar. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just.
1: Mm. Powdered sugar and butter is pretty good too, though.
2: Yeah, powdered and sugar I'm and butter is pretty good. Yeah. I would, I, I would also like, like to give my shout out to, to log. It's, it's big, it's heavy, it's uh-huh. wood.
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna say Lug Power Slave, because he's awesome too. No, I was uh I was just I was just going with Ren Stimpy,
2: which uh-huh. is where I was going with powdered toast man. Now I think everybody gets
0: it. There we go. I didn't like <laughs> See, toast I Stimpy. was focused That's on the okay. actual food item. I was just like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't have powdered sugar, like, but well, I guess okay. If you don't have cinnamon, I guess that works. <laughs> <laughs>
2: powdered toast
0: Oh my no. oh, anyway. oh, gosh. So uh Green, I got what a you got? shout out. What do you got? Um
1: I actually am gonna go on a live Twitch and I think it's a podcast too with one of Beard's friends Uh-oh. tomorrow. Uh oh. I'm gonna go I'm gonna be on Jim's show tomorrow at noon central. Mm-hmm. So grindhead Jim. Gonna, we're going to talk about education and stuff like that, so that's that's fun. And I actually don't know the name of his podcast. Now I feel really bad, so I can't give that podcast a shout. But hit me up on Twitter. Is it The Grind? It is The Grind. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll be on that. Good job, Blue. You, you get... No, I can't ship you French toast overnight.
0: <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> You know what's really... I okay, Amazon I'm going to talk... We're going to talk about this after show. Because yep. there, there is actually a cinnamon... Or a French toast that I used to get when I was in elementary school that you could overnight. The French toast sticks. Anyone remember those?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, my God. They're amazing.
1: Beard. So, hmm. Shout-outs for you, hun.
2: Mm, I already gave mine. It was the log. It's big. It's heavy. It's wood. It's law, hog, law, hog. It's better than bad. It's good.
1: <laughs> oh, we're tired. It's.
2: I'm fine. gonna say, I I've gotten a grand total, I think, of about ten hours sleep this week. So you can tell how I'm doing. But he's I also 10 he's also night.
0: he's also got um new lore tabs. So <gasps> he's gonna probably get ten yes. hours of sleep for the next week as well.
2: Uh, yes. prob- prob- probably because. <laughs> Let me me, let me consult
0: the crystal ball real quick
2: here. (laughs) Mm, Magic eight ball says probably (laughs) probably gonna happen. (laughs) Uh, I'll put it this way though. I'm down to four. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm down to three more tabs that I need to record, and then after that, it's uh, I need to now interpret entirely and make connections and stuff. It's like what happens when you start dissect lore and. You start to make it more than a hobby. Um, Whoops.
1: Hobby, obsession.
2: Yeah, let's run
0: through outro real quick and then finish the story. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any questions or comments for our team concerning the podcast. And let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time... Focus your fire and may your light shine bright.